This is a Federal News Network podcast. There's bipartisan concern in Congress now about the status of the Merit Systems Protection Board. The MSPB hasn't had a quorum for more than four years, and it hasn't had a single board member for more than two. The agency's only partially functional now. At least its administrative law judges are still issuing initial decisions on some appeals, but federal employee groups and, again, a bipartisan pair of House members worry a federal court will shake up MSPB before the White House and Congress can get around to restoring that quorum. Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco joins me now to explain all of this. Nicole, it sounds like a complicated situation, but uh, who is concerned about MSPB and what are their big concerns? So, Tom, it is a complicated situation, and the concern comes from Congressman Jerry Connolly and Georgia Republican Jody Heiss. They're the chairman and ranking member, respectively, of the House Oversight and Reform Government Operations Subcommittee. And, you know, I wouldn't say that I was surprised to see the letter from both of them. You know, the two of them have worked together on things before. They're not diametrically, you know, opposed to everything, but, you know, it was a little surprising to see both of them uh, express concern directly to President Biden about the status of the MSPB. And, you know, as you said, Tom, the concern, I think, comes in part because of just how long the board hasn't had a quorum. And at this point, the backlog of uh, petitions for review, that's the formal name for them, is over 3,000 at this point. And of course, had, they've been without a, a single board member you know, since February 2019. But there's another kind of sticking point with all of this, and it hasn't been widely talked about at this point, although we have done some reporting about it. And that is just the situation of the administrative judges and how they were appointed. So there was a Supreme Court case, Lucia versus Securities and Exchange Commission. Yes, indeed. Yeah, that is really throwing a wrench into how some of these administrative judges in government are appointed and what their authorities are and what they're allowed to do. And so some agencies have caught on to this uh, particular Supreme Court case at this point, and they themselves are going to administrative judges and saying, look, you know, we don't think you were appointed properly And we don't think you have the authority to rule on our case. And so in some situations, agencies have asked the judges to dismiss cases before the MSPB uh, without prejudice. And, Tom, we talked about this. We reported this uh, a couple weeks ago, I think. And as of the end of December, there were at least 180 cases that were dismissed without prejudice for this essential reason. There are also cases before a federal court, and those are a little trickier. And I think that's what's really prompting some concern here. Got it. Yes, that's one way to get rid of the backlog is just to dismiss all the cases. And you're down from 3,000, I suppose, for when the new members come in. But what do we know about these cases? What is it the Lucia did that calls all of this into question? So the court's deciding, the court is essentially looking at three cases at this point, and they could rule that administrative judges at the MSPB are not, you know, properly vested with the authorities that they need to perform their duties. And there's a few cases. One is Coppola versus the Department of Veterans Affairs. Another is the um, is McIntosh versus the Defense Department. And there's a third one as well. 
And apparently, according to this letter from Connolly and Heiss, the court could actually rule on Copula versus VA in the next five months. And so that makes this MSPB situation a lot trickier because, one, the White House needs to nominate board members and the Senate needs to confirm them. You know, it's debatable whether or not that could get done in the next five months. And the reason why that five months timeline is crucial here is because the board, Senate confirmed members, need to essentially weigh in on how these administrative judges should be appointed. They need to make a decision, essentially, uh, you know, do board members need to officially appoint these administrative judges directly? And if so, there needs to be a board in place to do that. Or are they appointed fine as is? And the court essentially will kind of weigh in on that. They'll say, look, you know, either one way or the other, we don't think that the judges have been appointed properly and therefore a MSPB board needs to appoint them properly. And the concern is that there won't be a board in place to appoint them. In which case, that means that the work that the MSPB has been doing, by and large at this point, ruling on these initial decisions, they won't be able to do that because there won't be a board in place to properly appoint them, if that makes any sense. Sure. Is there another question, though? Could a board come in, reappoint them, and would that mean that the cases that the judges have forwarded to the commission members, would they still then be valid? because they might have been rendered before they were properly appointed. It's a fine point, but you can see what could happen there. So that's a very good point. I'm not sure I know the specific answer to that question. I think it all depends on whether or not an agency or an employee, frankly, has raised a specific concern, a specific Lucia concern in a specific case. And there are a couple of those. um, And, it remains to be seen at this point how a board would approach, you know, this whole appointments clause concern. Um, but that is a good point. And I think really the bottom line, though, is that this agency needs board members and they need board members who could reasonably be confirmed by the Senate. They're qualified enough. They don't have any you know, issues, concerns, you know, on a bipartisan basis, they're kind of a a sure thing, essentially, to get through the Senate confirmation process. And, you know, at this point, the Biden administration has not uh, nominated anyone. Yes, because each of those 3,000 cases board members would have to take up, presuming they can take them up legally, represents a federal employee who feels aggrieved on merit systems principles and deserves some kind of a decision. Right. And agencies as well. And as, uh, Connolly and Heiss point out, and also a group of federal employee organizations, you know, the usual suspects, the unions, but also the Senior Executives Association, the National Active and Retired Employees Association. They are all writing to the Biden administration, laying out these concerns, saying, one, you know, employees are denied justice until they can have a board look at their case. Um, and, you know, weigh one way or the other. But it also poses some financial concerns for agencies as well, who might have to reinstate employees back to the jobs that they were removed from. And that will cost money. And the longer that the board is vacant, the more that back pay might be. And so there are multiple challenges at play here. You might say this is all essential to the efficient functioning of the public's business. You could. And in fact, that's what 
a lot of federal employee groups are saying. They're saying, look, you know, if this administration is really committed to uh, protecting the federal workforce, this is something they need to do and they need to do it quickly. Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco, thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. Check out her latest story on this at federalnewsnetwork.com. We now bring you a special presentation from our friends at WEPA. Shane, thanks for joining us. Can you tell us about WEPA and your new podcast? Mike, great to see you again. The podcast series, Lessons in Leadership, what we're trying to do is, is take a deeper dive, a different angle into the conversation around leadership with great leaders at all levels of government. Uh, since the 1900s, leadership has been studied in a serious and academic way. Uh, great man theory, the leader-follower theory, the inspirational leader, transformational leader, all of these are backward-looking um, development of styles, looking at an individual, figuring out how they did leadership, and then translating it into a form that we can use today to learn, to perhaps emulate, copy. But great leaders, they have more than one style. I think I truly think that a great leader can adapt and transform into the role that's needed at that time. So what we're trying to do is, is talk to great leaders and go a level deeper. Tell us about your, a story in your past. Tell us an inspiration that really affected your ability to lead others. And this certainly applies in the uh, federal space. The federal government, it's over 2 million employees, Great leaders are throughout the federal government, both at the top and the middle ranks. And what we want to do is ask them to pull inside their memory, pull inside their personal history, find those moments in time when they were changed, they were inspired, they learned something about leadership from another person, perhaps it was uh, from themselves, and they brought that to the workplace, and they inspired other and became great leaders. So that's what we're trying to do with the podcast. Okay, so I, I get that you wanted to start with leadership, but what makes leadership such an important topic right now for federal workers? Great question. Leadership today is tested like never before. Um, today's, if I had to put a leadership style, if I had to put names to it, we hear about um, empathetic, we hear transparent, we hear uh, inspirational. So today we have COVID, we have a down economy, we have people, we have social uh, injustice that we're dealing with. There are many new factors. And it's drawing like never before on a leader's ability to pull from within themselves and adapt to the current change. So leadership today is almost brand new again. We're taking all kinds of different styles, attributes, learnings that leaders have. They're looking at the current situation that we're in and understanding how do I move groups of people? How do I move my employees? How do I inspire? How do I get them to the next best place? So I think leadership today, this conversation uh, is extremely relevant, perhaps more relevant than it's been in several decades. You know, we talk about an employee's personal route to growth, but what role does the management side have in this? I think in the federal government, 
it's it's a little bit different than it is in the private sector. Uh, my father was a civilian federal employee. Uh, he joined the federal government in the 1960s. Uh, John Kennedy, he was inspired by ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. He had opportunities to go in the private sector. That notion of service inspired him. It inspired an entire generation. I would like to think that call to service, which is unique in, in the federal space, in the government space, still exists today. Well, that about says it all. But is anything else you'd want the audience to know about you personally or WEPA as an, as an organization? Uh, I have been uh, around the group affinity insurance world for um, three decades. I've uh, led this is my second uh, major organization that I've led. And I will tell you that we impart this feeling, uh, you mentioned it, Mike, about service, this notion. We serve those who serve. And uh, I will tell you that it's refreshing. It's a blessing to be there. And <clears throat> I have so much respect for civilian federal employees at every level of government. In this podcast, we're hoping to talk to leaders which are similarly inspired and can share their learnings over a lifetime. And uh, this will be useful information uh, for anybody in government service. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.